Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode three of SpotCast, the podcast on Star Trek Discovery and other things that we think are interesting. Well, it means a lot of things that we think are interesting. Anyway, I'm Tim Mitra. I'm in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined by Jaime Lopez in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? All right. So I see you've got, so we have some follow-up here. Um, first one was for me was uh, we were talking, we've been talking over the last couple of shows and I think even on the More Than Just Code podcast about uh, the redo, the re-res of, of uh, the original series. Series, TOS, I've seen it called sometimes, um, where they've gone in and, and redone all the the uh, ex- the exterior shots, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anyway, but I was poking around and I found that there actually was, there actually is also a um, a version of the Next Generation, which is your Star Trek, that has been uh, re-resed as well. Because I, I, I noticed I was watching um, the Next Generation on TV the other day, and, I, and it kind of looked kind of a little different to me. And then so went in and saw that they had in fact uh, gone in and resed those as well, right? So. Yeah, and, and this one I was a little less clear. The, the, the line isn't quite as as sharp like the original series stuff that we were talking about. I mean, it was clear that they replaced the physical model of the Enterprise, for example, with a CGI model. Okay, great. In this case, because the HDification of what would have been you know a standard four by three standard def television signal, it was a little bit harder for me to tell. So I've I have seen uh, many episodes um, on Netflix, and they kind of look to my eye to be from this same uprising that you linked me to because some of the scenes look the same but i i couldn't tell you for certain absolute certain that as much of it was replaced by cgi versus whatever was there before because i it could be that um you know they they had rather simple cgi that's expensive to do um and maybe they did it there and it just wasn't as obvious as cgi um back when you couldn't see it as well through a crisp clear hd broadcast or maybe they did redo some of the effects i i actually don't know the answer to that. Well, I think they, I think they did, and, and the sort of side by side comparison that I notice here, it seems to be like on the actual the actual footage of the actors talking and stuff. Like that. They must, they, I think they went in and enhanced them. But what really what really brought my attention to it was, and I, I don't know what episode I was watching. I can't even remember now. It was like just a few days ago. But um, so we're backing away from the starbase, and I looked at the image, and up at, like I just look up at the screen, and I as I was doing something else at the time, and it looked really good. And I thought I don't remember the the you know them having that great graphics back then, right? And in fact, I think the the, uh, the example they go through here is kind of wishy-washy because it's the very first episode where they have that sort of space, you know, squid or whatever it was that was mm-hmm. doing something to the planet or whatever. This they, is an encounter at Farpoint where Farpoint Station yeah, yeah, yeah. is a shape-shifting jellyfish of some sort. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Happens every week. But anyway, so so that that one, they, they kind of, and it was kind of ethereal, you know, it's kind of wispy and whatever, and they, and they went in and enhanced it. So, I mean, like, why? But, but you know, it 
it, it does sort of have that effect of looking better. So I, and according to this article here, it was written in 2012. Uh, they were going, they were planning to, or they had gone through and started, you know, re resampling, re resing them and stuff like that. Right. So, um, one of my, one of my favorite films, by the way, which we don't talk about, we haven't talked about yet is, is called for all, yeah, for all mankind. And it's a video made by, it's, it's made up of footage by the, uh, the Apollo astronauts. And it's like, it follows, you know, a typical mission, if you will, but it's a mashup of all the different missions. So it's like, you know, right from Kennedy's speech at the beginning, um, which of course they couldn't uh, make any better because it was really filmed on, on like 35 millimeter or something even worse, maybe even 60 millimeter film. And it goes through all, and it's got this like sort of a mashup of all the different things of all the astronauts landing on the moon and, you know, driving around the moon, moon rover, right up to Gene Cernan leaving the, the surface and then splashing down at Earth and being picked up by the, the carriers and that kind of stuff, right? Um, but what they did there was when, when, and it's a Criterion movie, right? So I think it's, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Criterion Collection. So I've had that on VHS and then I had it on DVD when it came out, when it, when it came out on DVD and I, you know, I love it and whatever, watch it over and over again and love this. The soundtrack is by Brian Eno, an album called Apollo, which the album by itself is, is great too. So it's really kind of neat music. But what they did when they did the DVD copy is they actually, uh, maybe I did talk about this. They, they got the actual footage, the film that they have stored uh, on ice, basically, literally, it's frozen, right? And they took the film out and they they thawed it out very carefully, and then they sent it over to the Criterion people who do uh, they, they do film by frame by frame transfers, right? So they they went in, mm-hmm. you know, so they went to the original source of film and and um, they um, you know thawed it out, and then they basically um, scanned each uh, frame as high res as they could, and then they put the movie together, you know, that way, right? So they kind of went painstakingly through each and each particular image and that in fact may be what they do here in the case of like the the um the thing at encounter at far point um where they where they go in and they kind of go frame by frame and they, they you know they go into photoshop if you will for each particular one and, and enhance it as best they can right so yeah the other thing too but the other thing about the star trek the original series is because because again it was a desi lu production um they they filmed that on actual film right it wasn't filmed on video right so so they could actually in that case go back to the original source i don't know if they did but but they, they could do the same thing. They could go back and scan frame by frame and get the best, you know, color and, and reproduction they could, right? Mm-hmm. The one thing I'd noticed while watching the higher res versions of, of TNG is that sometimes the makeup doesn't look quite as good. Like it, it was good enough right, for, right. Yeah, for yeah, non-HD, yeah. you know, for standard def. And you'll notice that sometimes on some of the um, some of the creatures of the encounter, right, some of the alien species, but even on some of the, the human women in this case, because the, the men didn't seem to really, oh, really? be wearing yeah. any sort of makeup from what I could tell you know unless they were an alien species well they are they are they do on tv they they always every, everybody wears makeup on tv but anyway, well but, now now they do but i don't think they did back then for the standard def because you wouldn't see it right it's not like you know your um nightly newscaster who i guarantee you has to put it because they they are broadcast in hd and then they yeah. have to deal with that i was gonna say i have a friend and sorry to interject but i have a friend who does hair and makeup and she's always telling me about the kind of because of the lighting and the kind of film that they use or video what they use or, or whatever the captures they do have to put something on people's faces to you know dull down the, the effect of the lights and things like that and so and there's some makeups you can put on people that make them all turn red and whatever on on, on video but mm-hmm. you know she was telling me about that yeah sorry 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 to interject there but go ahead <laughs> yeah no I, I think my final point was I, I really noticed it on some of the um, like dr crusher in particular has some, right. some really awkward uh rouge effects on her that i don't recall seeing when it was standard def and it just really stuck out um as part of that that sort of up and and that was the one thing that had me wondering in some of these cases like well did they did they actually re redo the effect or 
did they CGI? Like, what did they just clean it up so much that now I can actually see what was there and it was just a, like a blurry mess before? Well, you know what I noticed is Spock's ears on the original show because they had they made a prosthetic ear that they would put on him for every show, but there was always there's always a spot just above his ear, the top part of his ear, where the the you know the, the ear the pretend ear joins up with his actual real ear, and, so, and depending on the lighting and the angle, you can sometimes see a little line there, not a line. Mm-hmm. Like hard line, but you can see that they've put some makeup on or putty or something. To that's one thing I've noticed about it when when I uh, <laughs> when I watch the the new ones, right? So the high res yeah. versions, right? Mm-hmm. And it's funny I was watching one on the other, watching that on the on the TV the other day, and on Space Channel um, here uh, they've they've actually like uh, on on the ones on Netflix they're not they're sixteen by they're not sixteen by nine they're four by three, right? So or are they? Oh, I think about it. I think they're well at least the way I've been watching them on Netflix they they all seem to be four by, four by three four by three pillar boxed yeah pillar box yeah yeah but the uh the i noticed on space channel they're the letter boxed right so they're they've obviously cut top and bottom on but i was watching the, the one about the um oh the alternate universe that they go to where evil spock's there and kirk has that girlfriend and the, the machine that kills people uh mirror 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 isn't it called yeah i, I think that's the yeah. episode because that's where they go to the mirror universe first time yeah actually you know and speaking of before we move on one other thing about star trek is i was trying to remember like why i stopped watching star trek the next generation and i think what it was is i didn't like the new doctor after after crusher got uh fired right i don't know if you heard that she got fired but um right right for the 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 one season two um Oh, wow. Yeah, Maria Muldaur or something like that. Her name was, I think. Yeah. Yeah. She was like a, like a woman bones sort of thing. Yeah. That they were trying cr- to go for. Cranky. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, Dr. Pulaski. That was her name. I couldn't remember. Pulaski. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, she was, she was actually in the original series too, right? Cause she was one of the actresses who played in both series as well, right? She played a, um, a foil to Kirk. I think she was trying to, not the one where she takes over his body, but she had some sort of, there was some sort of thing with her and Kirk. And, and, uh, I don't know. I just, it's something about, the actress <laughs> she was in a lot of shows back then too right so yeah i just i did i just didn't like that doctor i like i guess I'm, I'm a sucker for redheads i guess i don't know i think dr crusher is a more original sort of person and yeah genuine you mean yeah well i mean the pulaski i think they really were trying for um dr mccoy but this time it's a woman sort of feel and it, it never really felt that they fleshed her out too much but i will caveat that by saying that you know gates mcfadden had six other seasons to, to do that and so if i was to just right, judge right. season one, it probably would be rather harshly judged too. There's kind of not a lot of characterization in general for Star Trek The Next Generation as opposed to something like um, like Deep Space Nine. Um, and so I kind of wonder if uh, my memory's a little bit clouded by the fact that Pulaski only had that one season. And not only was it one season, it was an early season before they really got their, you right. know, their, yeah, their lot, sea legs in that, terms of writing. Yeah, I th- yeah, I think, I think, and also acting. I think that a lot of the early episodes, I mean, some of them were pretty good, surprisingly. I've gone back and watched them and then, I, like this one I was watching the other day, I I didn't realize it was, I was trying to figure out where it was in the story um, in terms of the, the the whole arc, right? But it was actually in the first season, which I was surprised to find, right? But because uh, it was actually, I don't, rem- I remember it being a lot more wooden in the first uh, first series of, of shows, right? So mm-hmm. yeah, so they seem to be having some fun with it. Anyway, let's move on to the next thing you've got here. You posted something on the in the follow up. What do you got there for us? Yeah, this one it just came out today. The fact that uh, James Cameron says that uh, there's going to be another Terminator movie as 
as a direct right, follow-up right. to Terminator 2 and Linda Hamilton and maybe her sister. I don't know. I've speculated on that part. Uh, will be returning to the Terminator <laughs> franchise. <laughs> as we noted that like, one time, what, she only has that one movie credit in, in Terminator 2 as the the, uh, the T-1000 version of... Uh, well, they can always... Yeah, they can they can have her have her come back again. So, so uh, I'm sorry. So, follow-up to Terminator... Well, Terminator 2 is in theaters again right now. So, if you hadn't seen... I never did see it in the theaters. I probably should go try and catch it. But um, So, what was Terminator 3? Which one was that one? That was uh, the one with Claire Danes. Um, oh, yeah. I like that one. I like that one. But you're, so, you're saying this one, this one sort of fits between... Is this kind of the one where they lock her up or something? I don't know. Like <laughs> it'll be interesting. So it's. I think it might be a bit of a soft reboot of oh, okay. of the timeline right. because it, it yeah it goes to Terminator Three and then Salvation and then Genesis and I don't think in general uh, the public has been real happy with those three. So right, right, now it's yeah. like, all right, what if we continued on from Terminator Two and just pretend the other ones don't happen? Is how well, I well, you know, the beauty of the beauty of time travel and the beauty of time travel related movies is, is all you do is mess with the timeline. And, you know, kill a few butterflies or whatever, and uh, you have a whole new, whole new plot line, right? Right, exactly. Yeah, so you just move on to the new timeline for sure. And Star Trek 2009 sort of does this too, right? With a soft reboot of, all right, oh yeah, let's yeah, use time yeah, travel totally. to and time mechanisms to say we're going to make something that's kind of like what was there before, but we're going to take it in our own direction. And we blame Spock for it because he's the one that messed up the thing with the the red ball thing. I forget what it's called, the Genesis machine or whatever it's called. Yeah, What's I forget called? what they called the 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 red goop that they the had. Red goop, yeah. Yeah, the, the red goop machine. Yeah, exactly. Just one drop will do it. Um, and your next follow up here, I'm really excited about this one because so this is a franchise that I really like. So what do you got there? Yeah, this is the Tomb Raider movie, uh, a new one, not the one starring Angelina Jolie that came out in probably the late 90s, early 2000s. This is um, right. based on the newer reboot of the series uh, with a much younger, less experienced Lara Croft. Oh, it's Alicia Vikander. Right. Who you might recognize from Ex yeah, Machina. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, I saw the I saw the trailer for this on on Space the other day, but I didn't realize it was her. Wow, cool! Neat. Right, Academy Award winning Alicia Vikander. She won an Academy Award for that role. Uh, she for won it role. for something I can't remember which, really? but I definitely remember her name being uh, called up. And so there's a little trailer there for for folks to take a look at. It'll be in the show notes. Did you know that Rona Mitchell was the first Lord Laura Croft official one? You mean to to physically represent like as a model? Yeah, she, yeah, at all the trade shows and stuff like that. Rona Mitchell, yeah. But then then when she she fell out of favor with them because she did something bad that girls sometimes do but um yeah she so they that's why they they I, I, i'm thinking that's why they went with and they probably went with angelina jolie because she's probably big, a bigger box office draw right generally speaking right yeah what do you think of those tomb raider movies the two two movies i barely remember the second one what was it cradle of life <laughs> i think was the second cradle one of life, yeah yeah, uh, yeah the first probably. one i felt was a little bit more on point um again with the way in the context of what was tomb raider like back then right and it was right uh right. It, it was a phenomenon you know on the playstation series and the model the the 3d model was really sort of heavily based on mm-hmm. like male fantasy sort of thing right so she's rather right. lithe but also very top heavy busty um kind of has like a, a like a 90s sort of attitude that you see out of like i don't know sonic the hedgehog right. and just yeah. and crash bandicoot choose anything from that time period whereas this one i feel is a lot more soft and human and, and when you look at somebody like Haley Vikander, I feel like she fits rather perfectly for that sort of role. There's there's probably very few other people you could see fitting into that, you know, more realistic, semi petite, but sort of toned, like a I don't know, like a cliff jumper or like a rock climber sort of a uh, body type. Um yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe like a Daisy Ridley, but she's clearly wrapped up with Star 
Awards. So that's probably where, where sure, that came sure. into play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So did you play the game at all? I've not played the the modern one. I've I played oh, okay. you know three or four of the original um, Tomb Raider ones. Yeah, I've played them all. I, I, I mind you, I haven't got the latest, the last one that came out on um, this. Uh, R- was it Rise of Tomb Raider? Uh, but I played them all, and, and you know, I get to a certain point. I'm not, I'm not really into like you know, I, like even when I was playing the original game, and you had to shoot the animals and stuff, like the rabid monkeys and the wolves and stuff like that. I used to, if I if I could avoid killing them, I would. I would. <laughs> right nowadays, people call those pacifist runs where people will do it. Oh, really? Uh, even like on, <laughs> on Super Mario Brothers, you'd be like, all right, see if you can make it through the entire game with. Without stomping on an enemy and without no, collecting wow, really? a coin, which cool, except for a handful yeah. of levels, is like it's actually possible um, for Super Mario Bros. Three. I, d- I don't know the original. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. it's, it's funny. It's the other thing we used to do with Sonic the Hedgehog, and I saw something about it on online the other day. Was that or on YouTube? I think um, that we used to just race through Son- the first level of Sonic the Hedgehog, see who could get there first, you know, fastest, kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but now they do side by side races, and and uh, like you know, two people will. will I, I think we used to put it in two player mode and just kind of whip through and we didn't care how many points we got or whatever just who could get to the end, end zone faster right <laughs> yeah i gotta see if sonic mania which just came out i don't know maybe like a month ago i want you to see if that's available on the mac or not um i know right, it's a right. steam availability but i don't know if it's on the mac uh, probably yeah, see, it's one of the things i don't, I, don't really, sure. I, I was really disappointed by trying to play i, I think i played uh, true mirror the first time around when they had that little um mac demo but the macs were never really good for games i mean like they you know they, they didn't quite have the same horsepower in terms of video cards and stuff like that. So, I mean, I've always just sort of said, if you want to play games, buy like a PlayStation or, or an Xbox or something, you know, yeah, because uh, they're designed for it. Now, you know, people are building these mega mega PCs and stuff to do that, right? So you got one more follow-up item here? Yeah, uh, I'm fairly certain we started talking about Inhumans and probably the Defenders right. for Netflix. Yeah. Um, and I'm about, I don't know, halfway through Defenders, I think. Um, but the follow-on series to that, kind of continuing on the Marvel I guess not the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but the Marvel TV Universe is uh, The Punisher. And we just got an official trailer for that. And uh, boy, oh boy, does it look crazy violent, even for, like, you know, just a trailer. I can only imagine what they actually show in the show itself. Right, right. And it ties ties into Daredevil as well, right? He is. uh, He does have a tie to the Daredevil character. And I want to say he might have shown up or maybe will show up in a Daredevil season. I I might be getting Mm -hmm. my news crossed up a little bit there. So is the actors that I'm just looking at, I haven't played the the thing, is this the guy? from that was in um the walking dead I'm not a regular watcher of The Walking Dead, so I'll take your word for it. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Yeah, he just uh, just based on like this one single free frame of this of this actor, uh, it looks like uh, looks like our man from The Walking Dead. I may be completely wrong. I don't know. I don't know his name, but he's the one that um, he was he was um, Rick Grimes' partner back when they were cops before the before all hell broke loose, as it were. Yeah, cool. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's check that one out. Now I got to get caught up on all that. That uh, I watch. I got to watch all the um, Iron Fist and Luke Cage, and you know, get caught up. I I, I, I still haven't got back to watching um, the uh, Defenders. Yeah, well done. So yeah, um, so we, let's talk about Discovery for a bit here. So I, I got a, I found a link here for an interview that um, explains we were talking. It's kind of follow up, I guess, too, is why why the main character played by Sneak Martin Green um, is called Michael. And so there's an explanation here in part two of an interview with the showrunner Aaron Herberts um, that she they have a tradition in their running co- in their 
company of having these characters with male names. Um, did you have a read a, have an interesting article here? We'll link in the show notes. But did you have a chance to read through these two articles at all, Jaime? I did, and it was um, it was kind of interesting that they. I, I didn't know that about the protagonists for uh, Brian Fuller's shows. That um, as they mentioned here, uh, many of his female protagonists have typically what you would call male names. Chuck was one. Right. Jay was right. another. And so I guess they decided that all right, we're going to continue that tradition and we're going to have um, a woman character with a traditional male name. And uh, they kind of settled on Michael, from what I see here, uh, based on a couple different connections. Um, uh, a Michael Sneed that they used to work with, uh, the bass player for the Bangles. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> it seems like the short answer for uh, why they chose Michael, or more specifically, why, why the like the meta question, why they chose a, a traditional male name was, well, they're continuing tradition that they've had on the show, which kind of makes me ask another, well, what's the story behind that? Maybe we'll follow up on that one point. Um, and then a little bit of how they specifically chose Michael as opposed to, I don't know, like Ryan, for example, right? I've, I've met women named Ryan. Sure. Yeah. Well, I know a, a, um, a lady named Marty whose name is Martin, um, named after her grandmother, actually, whose name was also Martin. Um, I don't know, or maybe I wonder, wonder if it's her last name. I don't know. But yeah, Marty, my friend Marty. Hey, Marty. Um, I, oh, okay. Sticking with this part, the part two, uh, sort of interesting that they touch upon sort of the tradition of, of pushing the mainstream boundary that um, Star Trek is continuing with. And uh, I don't know that having the first openly gay couple on, on the show as series regulars and not, I don't know, uh, special guest stars or something or, or a very special episode, that is kind of interesting. And it, it sort of harkens back to what they, they show here where it was a big deal to have Nichelle Nichols as uh, Uhura right, right. On, on the show during the 60s when it was definitely not okay to have um, integration racial integration so right. th th i think that's that's really cool that they're doing that um i'll be interested to see if it's uh played as sort of um you know like how how central it might be to some of what's going on there um if you look at star trek beyond they ever so quickly hint at uh sulu, yeah, sulu. being yeah. uh, being married to a man uh, it's kind of not explicitly said that that's his husband from what i recall uh it, it could just be like his brother and and taking care of the daughter or something but i think they kind of heavily implied as far as they were willing to do back in and then we come out 2015 i think right and of course there's the uh, you know the parallel universe that we've been talking about on the show is uh is uh, um the orville where they've got the, the two male characters um currently uh working on uh, hatching their egg right so yeah and and so it's kind of interesting that um that seth mcfarland of all people sort of beats star trek to the punch in terms of <laughs> to this only by a matter of a couple of weeks because we have right, discovery right. starting uh, by the time this episode comes out um this very uh, week so uh, quite exciting. Yeah, yeah. It's funny though, you know, um, it's always sort of been a common thing I find with, with studios in um, in Hollywood and and maybe, I don't know if it's timing or just the way that they decide to release things, but like, you know, haven't you ever noticed that there's always been, movies always happen in twos, like there was the um, the one about the, the comet crashing to Earth and the other movie about the comet crashing to Earth, one was called, uh, one you see all the time. Um, Would that be like Armageddon uh, and Deep Impact, I think? Yeah, right, right. So you see, you see those two, and they're 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 different movies, but at the time they were very similar. And then there was the other one about the volcano, and there was another movie about a volcano, one with Tommy Lee Jones, and uh, I forget what those ones were. But uh, but there's always sort of they always come in pairs, right? So I kind of mm -hmm. wonder if the studios are sort of doing this at the same same thing. Because I mean, if you if you look at the amount of work that's gone into the Orville, right? I mean, it's there's a lot. It's heavy, heavy special effects. It can't be something that they came up with in in you know six months as a sort of counter to to 
Star Trek. Well, I mean, mind you, the Star Trek Discovery was was announced a, at least a year ago, right? Um, if I mean, they started filming probably a year ago in Toronto, right? But possibly slightly more. I can't recall. It, it did get delayed a little bit, so that yeah, uh, it, it might be, be eighteen a- months to two years by now. Um, I don't know when when pre production and when you know post production type stuff would uh, would begin. But yeah, it's definitely not the sort of thing where oh, they're coming out with this show. Okay, great. Well, we're going to make our own show too, right? Like it, it would have to be fairly early on that that sort of decision is made. Like like to your point, like is it Dante's Inferno, I think might be the one with um, yeah yeah Pierce Brosnan, yeah. and I can't remember the other one. And then of course there were two different Mars related movies. Right. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. 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 One with one with Val Kilmer and uh, no, yeah. <laughs> I can't remember the names. Red Planet and um, there was another one at the same time. Yeah, like Mission to Mars or something, or, or maybe that's a more yeah yeah that confused. was one with uh, yeah with uh, uh, Tim Robbins I think Tim Robbins and and he's you know flying to Mars and then there was Red Planet where Val Kilmer gets you know they get um, uh, marooned on Mars kind of thing right at the same time right yeah I used to go to a lot of movies you no know, I used to go to a movie once a week with my friend and and uh, we'd often sort of pick between one or the other which one we're going to see and then <laughs> eventually we'd go back and see the other one next week kind of thing you know yeah mm-hmm. but it's it's sort of odd that they have these parallels and and I mean a lot of uh, like, like you know so the, you obviously watched the the Orville as well right this week I did like episode I, I think two right yeah and it's kind of funny like you said last week we kind of expected it to be since it's coming from Seth MacFarlane we expect it to be like you know just you know complete sarcastic comedy kind of thing right but but it, this last episode was not that funny if you will you know like it had sort of like funny moments you know like you know when they're they're trapped in a zoo and uh, they're imprisoned and then they may never get out and yet they're eating chocolate cake and drinking whiskey you know um, that I suppose was supposed to be funny but you know um, but that was an interesting episode what do you think of that one yeah so I think I took this one a little bit better you know, as we mentioned last week that I was a little bit uh, sort of confused as to what to think because I didn't know I was like oh it's going to be funnier more like a galaxy quest sort of thing and it turns out no no it's actually more of a drama with a bit of humor in there and so this week I think they I don't know if they either made it land better or if I just had better expectations going in where I was like alright there's going to yeah, be largely maybe. more drama and there'll be some funny stuff right like there's some serious stuff related to i don't know imposter syndrome can we say that right that the uh, the lieutenant or, or the chief of security she's very inexperienced and right yes she yeah, ends exactly. up having to take over the the captainship of the of the orville and she feels not prepared for it she feels like there, there's no way i'm qualified right, right, for this and, right and yet as part of her trying to abdicate those responsibilities they show a very funny scene where you know if you if you just saw the, their heads you'd be like well she's having a very serious discussion with uh Commander Bordas, who normally would be um, second in command there, uh, the second officer, I should say, but he's indisposed right now, um, trying to hatch his egg, which they right, show him right. naked in a very in a very funny, compromising position, right? And and so it's it's an interesting blend, I think I find with the Orville there. And I think the other note I have for uh, this is that I think for the first episode, I say, hey, you know, Isaac, the uh, the Commander Data, but if he's really racist uh, character, yeah. didn't really have much to do and in this episode he had a lot more to do right he was involved with the solving of the technical solution and ultimately they used um his species status and you know assumptions and stereotypes about his species to their advantage when they're negotiating with the other species uh who's the sort of the main players in the episode who are themselves very elitist and racist right so that i thought that was kind of interesting gave him a little bit more to do right and i I, you know i have to shake my head because i didn't i didn't catch his name at first but uh, clearly i Isaac is named after Isaac Asimov, the person who wrote all the robot novels and essentially the three laws of 
robotics, which you know people use in all kinds of movies now, right? So mm-hmm. you've, you've read the Asimov stuff, right? Have you? I think maybe only iRobot or, or the iRobot. Okay, right. Short stories. I, I can't remember. Yeah, there's, there's some three compendium, of them. Yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's three. Uh, the Caves of Steel, which is about um, a, a murder investigation on Earth, and then there's uh, Robots of Dawn, which is about an investigation of a murder on um, Aurora, the planet where uh, our Daniels hangs out. I think. And there's a third one. Uh, now I'm drawing a blank on it. Um, yeah, anyway, our Daniel Alvala is one of my favorite characters. He's the main robot in that one. But yeah, it's funny that, that you know, um, that they would name him Isaac, obviously. You know, I mean, it's obvious that they would name him Isaac, but uh, but it's kind of funny that he did that as well. And you're right, he did he did play more of a role and, um, you know, superiority. And it's funny how they wouldn't talk to the uh, Alara, I think her name is Alara, Alara, because um, she's his pet, clearly, right? So, right. <laughs> interesting stuff, yeah. Yeah, so uh, anything about, so and so did you watch any of those um, shows on space today, the sort of previews of, we had our fan expo a couple of weeks ago, um, where they had uh, all the actors in for, um, I guess they were doing press junkets on the new show, and as well, we also just had TIFF, so they may have been here for part of that as well, so they had Sneaker Martin Green, and... Um, and uh oh what's his name now the i just like the lucas lucas malfoy it's all i can ever think of him is man he confuses me oh anyway i have another connection to him with another show that, that i another actor actually i get mixed i get him mixed up with but um yeah so uh, one thing i want to talk about too is I, i've talked about dark matter a number of times on on various shows I, i've talked about it with tammy on roundabout and I, th- I think i mentioned it to you and um it's one of my current like it's to me it's a very it has a very canadian feel to it because it is it it is shot in Canada, um, but it's an American production that's shot in Canada. I think I'm not sure if it's. I think it's a Sci-Fi Channel, or but it's also shown on Netflix as well. But a very good show, very good sort of uh, um, setup, if you will. Like what it is is there's six criminals who wake up on a, a ship called the Raza, and they don't remember anything, right? They don't, so they just so they start calling each other by the number in terms of the first one wakes up, the second one, so she becomes one, he becomes two, and so all the way through six and, and and the first season is them sort of just figuring out what was going on and you know what they can remember, what they can't remember, and that kind of stuff. So it's kind of an interesting setup from that point of view, and it's evolved and become uh, a bit more um, interesting of a story. But the big story, though, is that it has just been canceled, right? And um, so I, I think SciFly has decided they were not going to renew it, and so there's been a all of a sudden my Twitter feed just started blowing up because I followed Dark Matter on Twitter, and um, yeah, there's been a huge uh, outcry from the fans of the show, much like when Star Trek got originally cancelled um, back in the 60s, right? Um, I can't remember I can't remember if it got cancelled. Uh, Star Trek got cancelled the second season and people voted it back, or... Um, I don't remember the exact thing, but they have nearly three full, complete seasons of uh, yeah. of the original series. So I don't actually recall the, the story behind that. And that was definitely a, a different time, right? Where what were you going to do if they cancelled it? Oh, well, I mean, how are you going to tell the executives at CB so they've made a mistake. They could write letters to the editor and, and convince your whole fan club. Okay, that's that's nice. It's not like now where you can be, you know, directly on Twitter, you know, at CBS, like what the heck, yeah. you know, and yeah. have a million people retweeting the same thing that I think it's a little bit more direct and, and democratic in that way. Right, right. But as you can see, like, you know, I'm not alone in my thinking that this is a great, uh, great show because, you know, um, a lot of people have been up in arms about it. And, uh, you know, I mean, I didn't even got canceled, to be honest with you. Like I, I found out about it through Twitter. 
through the through the camp. And one of our one of our followers on the other podcast, More Than Just Code, had uh, had mentioned it, and I sort of pinged him, Larry Tutter, I think his name is, and I pinged him and said, "What's this? What's this all about with the um, Dark Matter story?" Right. So, and then he told me that, I, and then I kind of gathered it and we're reading some of the tweets that had been canceled. But uh, yeah, but apparently um, they're trying to uh, get it going, so get it back online here. I don't know if it's been successful yet or whatever. Or I think they were trying to get maybe Netflix or someone to, to put some money behind it and, and uh, keep it going. But yeah, I mean, yeah it, it was a, a good bummer show. when we, that sort of thing happens. Yeah, I mean, they had just started in the third season. They started evolving some of the characters, you know, um, even the android who's uh, an interesting take on an android. Um, even she's um, this, there's sort of like an android society, kind of similar to how, you know, uh, Dobby, the house elf on uh, in the Harry Potter series had had a subplot that went went through the books, right? Um, the androids uh, have sort of a subculture themselves, and and they kind of have secret meetings, and they they've been upgrading each other to try and get uh, better, better, uh, more more life experience, be more have emotions, things like that, right? So, and then we met we met the uh, woman who created the robots, uh, who was frozen in uh, some sort of sleep, uh, like a suspended animation, because she'd come down with some disease. But it turned out she was the mirror image of the android on the Raza, right? So. Mm-hmm. Um, spoilers, by the way. Spoilers, spoilers. <laughs> but uh, and that was an interesting plot line too, and you know, it'd be interesting to see where that one went. But uh, yeah, it's kind of uh, kind of interesting stuff, right? So we're we're finding out some of the genesis of of the characters. Uh, there was one sort of plot line I, I really didn't like, but I'm not going to bring it up here. But yeah, just uh, too bad to see that show go if it goes. But because uh, it, it, again, it's similar to to Firefly, like you know, kind of. Uh, I think the the people behind the show didn't really appreciate how far it went, and I mean, one of the things I wonder too about about Netflix in general is is Netflix is notorious for not sharing data about how many people watch their shows, right? And a lot of times, you know, a lot of there's some original content on Netflix now, naturally, right? But but a lot of it is reruns, old movies and old TV shows and things like that. Like like Dark Matter started running on on um, Netflix here in Canada anyway, uh, fairly recently. And I think I'm not sure if all three seasons are up, but just the two seasons at least. Um, and some of the other shows that we've talked about travelers and things like that have showed up on Netflix but it must be really tough for these guys to sort of have these products that they're putting their their, their efforts behind because you know uh, one of the things that Douglas Douglas Adams talked about and one of the reasons he, he was talking about the um, when he was doing the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy series is that he was actually a TV writer in England and his job was to put as many people in front of a TV commercial as he possibly could right mm-hmm. that's why they wrote they wrote interesting shows not for the sake of writing an interesting show I mean that was part of it, but the main motivation and the reason they got paid was to put, you know, 3,000 viewers in front of this soap ad or whatever, right? That was kind of, that was, and he sort of was, you know, always resented that kind of position, right? Um, but now we're getting shows that, that aren't necessarily reliant on the commercials that run between, you know, between the pauses, right? Um, like you get, like the, you get things like House of Cards and you get things like Game of Thrones and you get things like Dark Matter, hopefully, you know, even Doctor Who's and things like that, that are more about, they're, they're actually better made shows, better, you know, stories to, to you know, because people want that. People demand that right now. Um, and then you have a vehicle like Netflix where um, they don't disclose how successful they are. I mean, we can only sort of, there's no sort of Nielsen rating kind of thing to sort of, or maybe there is, and people, people can let us know if there is, but there doesn't seem to be any way to measure how successful some, uh, a product is. And I think, you know, Netflix probably just plays pays like a, a blanket amount to the, to the producers of the show to run it, uh, to have the right to run it, you know? So and and they must have deep pockets if they can afford things like Star Wars. You know, like they had Force Awakens here in Canada and they had uh, Rogue One, right? And you guys 
also have Rogue One, Rogue One in the States now, right? We do have Rogue One, but sadly don't have Force Awakens on Netflix. It <laughs> makes no <laughs> the, sense the, at all. the weirdness of, of, uh, of rights negotiation and stuff. But that's okay. Let me ask something. So in a non-spoilery way, um, the end of Dark Matter, um, like, does it end on a cliffhanger? Of course it does. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. So they, so it, it ends on like a dead cliffhanger. Um, so that, that's rather unfortunate. So it would be great to see that, uh, you know, they have a, a wrap up season at the very least. And I do think it is quite astute that somebody like a Netflix, um, or maybe an Amazon or maybe a Hulu might be sort of the right vehicle for that because for those, there's whole strategies different, right? To, I think to your point there of, uh, it's not necessarily, oh, we, we got to make this so that Coca-Cola and Huggies can have millions of, of people watching when their products are there for the, the commercials. These streaming providers, they really just needed to have enough content to convince you to continue paying the $9.99 a month or, or whatever it is. Um, and of course they do have their own internal stats as to, you know, is this thing worth it or not? Um, but they've, they seem to have not really like just dropped stuff too much. And I think Netflix is probably the one that's done this the most with the notable, um, Marco Polo and Sensei both got dropped after what their second seasons for both of them. Right. Right. But my understanding for those is that they were just like ridiculously expensive to make. And right. clearly Netflix was like, all right, even we can't continue to do this. Um, and when I look at this article, uh, the show's creator is like, Hey, you know, the ratings are in the third season of dark matter were consistent as opposed to like generally dropping. And so it's confusing. Right, well, yeah, yeah. maybe, but maybe sci-fi was hoping that the third season would go up and for them, maybe consistently the same as a failure because they're like, look, it's costing us X amount of money per episode. We just can't justify that given the viewership is what I'm guessing. Yeah, right. And so if anything, I do think something like a Netflix would be there because they've done stuff like bring back uh, arrested development for a fourth season. Right. Right. Year, oh, years they bring after it back? The fact. oh, no, they brought it back already. You mean, right? Yeah. 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 So it, it's entirely possible. Um, hopefully they don't, you know, destroy any of the sound stages or anything that, that have that stuff. Cause even though, as they mentioned here in this article, some of these actors and actresses are going to be, um, off doing other things. I mean, you could always take a year or two off and then come back. It's, it becomes more difficult when it's like, Oh, well, you know, the main ship says like, well, we completely destroyed it. So now we'd have to rebuild it. And is it worth that, you know, that startup cost again? Well, it's the same thing with serenity, right? When, when, um, you know, when, when Firefly got canceled, I mean, those, those, you know, six actors or whatever that ensemble cast, they, they kind of all went their separate ways, you know, and, um, you know, so like, you know, uh, Nathan Fillion went off and did Castle and, uh, I don't know, uh, oh, and, um, oh, what's her name? <sighs> Man, we really got to get our names, our names together. Marina, blah, blah, blah. She, <laughs> she, she did a few series. She was in, in V for a while. And I think she was also, she was the wife in, um, Homeland, right? In the first mm-hmm. season of Homeland. And, um, you know, uh, and they kind of all go their separate ways and it's really hard to pull them back. And so I guess the only way to do them, bring them back is to have mad movie money, right? To sort of lure them back into a certain period of time when they could film a movie. And that's what they did with Serenity. And so, I mean, I think Dark Matter, if it, if it does have a resurgence, if it doesn't get renewed for a fourth season, it's going to come back as a movie to kind of close all the loops, right? Because, you know, as you said, if the, if the, if the six actors, I mean, like I said, the, the six actors are, are, are integral to the show. And one of the plot lines that, that I didn't like is that one of the characters, and I can't remember if it's three or four, he, he leaves the, he leaves the Raza and goes off and, and, you know, starts to live his old life again. And, um, he comes back in, in the, in the finales and, and he's very involved in the later part of the season. But, um, you know, I'm trying not to give too much away. Right. But, but, uh, you know, but he's still one of the six. Right. And, uh, even, even though they 
don't they don't call him by his number anymore. But you know, and there's some. Oh, actually, no. Actually, one of the guys, one of the guys got killed, or yeah. But one of the, one of the characters left the show. I forgot about that now. Yeah. So of the six, right? Um, mm-hmm. hmm. So they had already lost one character. I guess they lost him to a better better movie deal or whatever. <laughs> but uh, we'll never know until the movie comes out. But uh, yeah. So it, it's it's kind of kind of sad. I mean, and it's funny. Like I, at the same time as I watch, was watching um, uh, Dark Matter. I was also watching Killjoys, as I said before. And but Killjoys is that I, I think I said a couple of weeks ago that I stopped watching it because it, it just the third season just kind of lost my interest. It got too too uh, too complicated or too far out there in terms of in terms of where the story was going. Right. So um, it had an interesting interesting point at the beginning, but you know it didn't kind of hold my hold my interest. Whereas Dark Matter always sort of has held my interest. Right. So it's a tough thing. And you you said you've watched a couple of episodes of it so far, right? But nothing nothing really major. Yeah, I think at least the first episode, maybe the second. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and it does seem like an interesting show. Um, I kind of wonder now that I know that it like ends on a cliffhanger. I'm like, oh, am I going to go through three seasons just to be disappointed at the end? I think I might wait and see what ends up happening with season four here. Uh, but it's it's rough. Like uh, I don't know, this didn't end on a cliffhanger, but as a comparison, um, the Joss Whedon show Dollhouse right, was yeah, something yeah. that I watched the first season, and then I think somewhere in the middle of the second season, they realized there wasn't going to be a third. So the pace, like there's like a time jump and the the pacing is all different as they try to wrap it up. And it's okay. Like, I think it feels better than ending on a cliffhanger, but it definitely didn't feel as satisfying um, as if it had. What about the Terminator uh, TV show, right? Oh, the Sarah Connor Chronicles, right? With uh, with Summer Glau and uh, Cersei Lannister's actress. I can't remember her name. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But like that one, that one right there, like like that one, you know, the, the cliffhanger on that one is like okay you could make a whole movie out of that cliffhanger right so right. i think they probably did <laughs> you know that was that was a that was a real let, lunch bag let down when that one went uh when that went that went away right yeah so i you know it's it's one of these things about like uh this is the thing is i guess it's, back in the day they used to you know the part of the motivation for making shows was to, was to put bums in seats in front of you know commercials right oh but just on on a, another tangent here just i don't know if you've noticed this or not but maybe you have but have you not noticed that now they're doing like three minutes and four minutes worth of commercials on tv like i pvr a lot of shows right but and i have to i have to hold my finger on that the fast forward button for quite a while sometimes right as i count the commercials that go flipping by <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me because i think for a very long time in a half hour segment you would have had um i think 21 22 minutes of content right. yeah and yeah. then at some point it started dipping down towards 19 minutes and i don't know what it is now um but that that wouldn't surprise me at all tim that uh, you would have run into something like that or a lot of a lot of times when you're watching a, a movie that's being shown on a tv channel and you know the commercials are like they're two or three minutes long at the beginning of the movie but as the movie gets closer to the conclusion of the story they throw even more commercials in it's always <laughs> ridiculous sometimes when i watch these things right so think how much how much time there is but and i, I do want to circle back to some one point that we we didn't talk about and that's galaxy quest and and in respect to um the um uh the orville right and how hard like like my point was that that you had sort of called it a dramedy which i hadn't really thought about last week but but now that i've seen it this particular episode it was it was very sort of somber in a 
lot of places, right? Um, you know, because it was a crisis, right, that they had to sort of resolve and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, and how they get through that and, you know, how, how they get to the point where, you know, obviously, clearly the, the, the captain of the ship, you know, breaks with, you know, regulation and goes off and does the, the right thing, right? But, um, you know, it, it, when I was thinking about that, when you, when you had said last week was, it, it just reminded me, like, you know, Galaxy Quest for me was a sleeper movie, right? Because I, I, I was in that sort of mode of going to see movies all the time and I wasn't a huge Tim Allen fan, to be honest with you. And, uh, you know, I like Sigourney Weaver and I like Alan Rickman and, you know, and there's a couple of other guys that came out of that, you know, the, the, the Mac guy, I've forgotten his name now, um, who plays the geek kid. Um, right. From the, um, I'm a PC, I'm a Mac commercials that yeah, Apple had yeah, in the him, 90s. Yeah. Right. I can't, what's his name? Anyway, getting old. But, you know, when you look at that movie and I, and I want to, again, that's another D- DVD that I own a copy of, right? When you watch that movie in, in, from beginning to end, it holds together really, really well. Like it was really well thought out. And part of the, part of the, the reason why that is, is because of the, the tie into sort of the fan fandom, right? Like, uh, we touched on Star Trek initially, um, in terms of fan expos or, or comic cons and that kind of stuff. And I think Star Trek was one of the first, and people yell at me or correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that was one of the first sort of, um, sh- uh, conventions that they came up with Star Trek conventions where the fans just, there was so much, you know, clamoring for stuff that they started, you know, begging these people to come by and, you know, meet and greet and sign autographs and, you know, and, and show off, you know, whatever paraphernalia they could. And that kind of grew up into it, you know, merged with the comic cons and, and grew up And Jonathan, who's supposed to be doing our fact checking can, can check in anytime now. Um, but cause he knows the history of this better than I do. But, um, you know, th- I think the Star Trek was, was sort of the first ones to come along and, and for them to build this, this idea of, and, and I think you mentioned before that, you know, when they were kicking back in the sixties, like literally the, I, if you, there's a, on Netflix, there's a show called I am Spock, which was done by, um, um, Leonard Nimoy's son. And actually it's funny cause there's a scene in, in big bang theory where Sheldon is talking to Leonard Nimoy's son about the making of I am Spock or no, not, it's not called I am Spock. It's maybe the Spock Chronicles or something like that. I've forgotten the name of it, but it's on Netflix. Look it up. I'll put a link in the show notes when I, when I remember what it's called. But, um, uh, if you watch that, it's kind of like he, like Leonard Nimoy went from, from gig to gig. Like he was, he was Spock for, you know, two and a half seasons. Then he was, you know, the guy on Mission Impossible. And before that, he was like in some, some Western and he was in a Western with William Shatner and, and it was produced by, um, uh, Gene Roddenberry. So how, that's how Gene Roddenberry got these two actors on his radar. In fact, I think they show a clip of a scene, if I'm not mistaken, where, uh, William Shatner and Leonard Nimoy are, are in a, in a, in a, like a drama that's not related to Star Trek, right? Um, mm-hmm. but they kind of, and so, you know, back in those days, you know, the, the actors, you know, like, uh, the, you know, there's all these lore stories about, you know, people didn't like Shatner because he was the big star on the show and that kind of stuff. And, or supposedly, you know, he's more, more sort of, more of a draw than the rest of the more, you know, and as, and as things evolved over time, right? Like, I don't know if you noticed, I, I didn't realize this, but you know, Neoman Rand, the woman with the blonde hair at the very beginning of the show, she was only Vaguely, on for like right. five or six episodes and then she was let go, right? And then they brought in other people. But yeah, it's kind of, and, and yet she's one of these people that you go to the Star Trek convention to sort of see and meet and whatever. And yet, I don't know if she comes back later on, but she was only in the first couple of, a uh, couple of episodes, right? Maybe she was in, I think she, maybe she was in the way of Kirk and they had to get rid of her to let him have, you know, relationships with other women in other women aliens, which is kind of really weird when you think about it, right? <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but coming back to, to Gal- Galaxy's Quest is such a well-written story because it's, it's about these, you know, actors, thespians, if you will, or, or 
you know, the, the um, by Rapthar's hammer, you know, um, that character, the Alan Rickman character is really good in this one, right? Where he has to wear the rubber hat, rubber head and all that whole bit. Um, but the way that they, uh, they sort of portray these, these has been actors who are now famous because they're doing these uh, conventions, you know, um, and then how they wrap that whole sort of those two stories together. And then the idea that the aliens who are the real aliens think that these guys are, are, are legit TV stars. Cause you know, that's what the aliens would have received from us in terms of, in terms of what we're broadcasting away from earth. Right. So, yeah, but you know, it's, it's, so it's, it really does hold up well. I mean, you know, and this is a show isn't about galaxy quest by the way, but <laughs> no, but I, th- I think you're right. It is, it is underrated and I don't think it did as well at the box office as anyone would have hoped, oh, no, it didn't but it's definitely all, picked all. up. Um, I don't know. Um, it's, it's like a cult classic. I, I hesitate to call it that cause it's not quite as no. culty as, you know, Rocky horror picture show or something, but uh, it's kind of there, right? It's kind of closer yeah, to that yeah. sort of thing. Um, yeah. I think it does hold up well. I think it does. I, I feel like it's certainly influenced something like the Orville, even though the, the Orville is, uh, you know, a bit more serious than it is comedy. You can feel a lot of that same sort of vibe coming from it of, Hey, you know, this is the sort of thing that Star Trek would run into. What would if we showed our own take on it? Right. Right. So, you know, it's, I'm, I'm glad you brought a Rocky horror picture show. Cause now I can talk about it, <laughs> but cause, cause, you know, I, I remember my first sort of movie going experience as, a, as an independent person, as a, you know, as you grow, as you grow up as, as a child and you become, you know, 10, 11 year old, 12 year old, and you start to have your own identity, right? Was my friends at school were always watching these movies like the werewolf and Frankenstein and, and things like that. Right. Um, and I remember watching the first movie I watched, I think it was called werewolf versus the Frankenstein. And I had a horrible nightmares the, the, the night after I watched it. Right. I remember when it was like 1975, I guess, when Rocky Horror Picture Show came out and I remember reading the review in the newspaper about this this movie and I wanted to go see it and I think a couple of years before that um, a Frankenstein 3D had come out which was by Andy Warhol which I have seen since but my I even got my mother to write me a note to take to the theater to say it's okay for my son to watch this movie right they still wouldn't let me in and watch watch the movie because I wasn't accompanied by an adult but Frankenstein mm-hmm. was restricted and uh, there are reasons why I was restricted but I didn't know it at the time right I just thought it was a movie about Frankenstein um, but I remember the Rocky Horror Picture Show and the fact that I couldn't go see it because I was underage, right? And then um, flash forward a couple of years or, you know, zoom forward a couple of years, two two or three years later, there was a theater we used to go to every Thursday night to watch movies called The Kingsway down on, on Bloor Street in um, in Toronto, near Bloor and Royal York, which is where I grew up. And it's still there, right? And they had like $2 movie nights and you could go in, you could pay $2 and you could, they would show two movies, one after the other. And they would, so they would show one movie and they would show a second movie and then they would show that first, the first movie again, right? So you, you and back then you could go into a theater and you could just sit there and stay there and until they close till they close the place up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I by accident I got to see uh, one flew over the cuckoo's nest because one time I went in I was I was still underage I was probably seventeen at the time and I remember th- watching the beginning of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest thinking oh this is the preview for the movie coming up and then realizing oh my god I'm actually watching One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest right but anyway so I was in in the Kingsway Theater watching the Rocky Horror Picture Show you know years later when people were just starting to yell at the movie and just starting to throw toast at the screen and stuff like that, right? So, you know, when, when he's pouring, I, don't know if you, I, I assume you've seen the movie and you probably know about what I'm, where I'm going with this, right? Where, mm-hmm. you know, when Riff Raff is pouring the wine and he just, he doesn't lift the bottleneck up and he just goes from one glass to the other and pours it on the table and the audience would yell, spill it, spill it as he's doing that, right? Or, or people would throw bread and stuff like that. And, but that was just before people started dressing up for, to see the show and just before it got really out of hand where people were like having 
food fights and stuff like that. So before the mayhem, right? So mm-hmm. it was kind of interesting because I was there at sort of the dawn of that, you know, audience participation thing, but I've never actually gone to a Rocky Horror Picture Show when it's all out mayhem and whatever, and people getting up on stage and singing and stuff like that. But uh, so Rocky Horror has a, has a, a, a soft spot in my heart <laughs> as far <laughs> as movies go. And actually this, this Comic-Con, they had everybody from, everybody who's alive. No, sorry, they didn't have everybody. Susan Sarandon didn't come, but they had everybody from the original uh, original uh, movie was here for our fan expo. So Barry Boswick, who played Brad, and Tim Curry, who played uh, Frankenfurter, uh, Magenta, and uh, Columbia. I remembered her name this time, Columbia. Uh, they were, and Meatloaf was here too, right? Signing autographs and stuff like that too. So it was kind of an interesting thing. But yeah, Rocky Horror Picture Show. Love it. Thumbs up. <laughs> That's my bit about Rocky Horror. I could sing all the songs on guitar if you like too, if you're ever interested. <laughs> Maybe that can be after show content. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I just, here's, here's a little tidbit for you. You know, the song, Hey Joe by, um, Hey Joe by, uh, Jimi Hendrix. Mm-hmm. It's the same as the time warp. <laughs> oh, really? I, yeah. I never thought about it. Same chord progression. Yeah. <laughs> so they used to always um, annoy my bandmates by, uh, changing the song we were singing by singing a different song over top of what they thought we were playing. Right. Like, you know, Sympathy for the Devil by the Rolling Stones is, um, yeah, I think it's, it's a song by the Album Brothers, Can't You See, which is what that woman's been doing to me. Uh, what's that one called? Man. Uh, can't remember. Anyway. More than just code, as we like to say on the other show. <laughs> yeah. It, it definitely blows your mind when you, you realize those sorts of things. Yeah. It's all connected. It's, the whole, it's all conspiracy. It's all a conspiracy. It never happened. All right. So what else we got to talk? Oh, um, yeah. So I think we, uh, I, I threw up a thing here about, um, we do picks on the other show, but I think these are things that we're looking forward to seeing, notwithstanding Discovery, of course. But um, I just found out, and this is what I'm watching space, that they're doing a new Philip K. Dick series uh, starting in November called Electric Dreams and it's sort of like kind of like uh, Twilight Zone in, in that they're doing sep- different episodes with different you know great actors so they're going through all the, the, the short stories or most of the short stories of Philip K. Dick I don't know if you know this or not but like things like Minority Report um, what else did he do um, oh, yeah anyway things like Minority Report were actually short stories they weren't fully fleshed out movies right so yeah I vaguely I, knew that about Minority Report it, it sounded real familiar um, and I, and I yeah. have heard that there are other movies movies that were in media that are based on some of those short stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. See. Oh, um, there was one that um, was an animated one they did uh, with uh, John Cusack. No, uh, with um, that other guy. What's his name? You know that guy with the name? Um, man, Does O'Reilly. he look like John Cusack? No. Yeah, uh, Ken <laughs> Is that why Ken came Ken yeah, yeah. Canadian Yeah, so Electric Dreams. Oh, Man in High Castle was one of his stories, too. How about that? Uh, Minority Report. Uh, what else is there? Why is Wade Runner on here? What? Philip K. Dick. Uh, I'm just trying to think. Oh, Scanner Darkly. That's the one I'm thinking of. Oh, you know uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So why would they have him, Blade Runner, listed under Philip K. Dick? That makes no sense. Oh, Total Recall. That was his as well. And the Adjustment Bureau. Those are all based on, those are all short stories of, um, of, uh, by him. Why would they have him? Oh, oh, yeah, no, no. It's right. Duh. He did write Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, which is the, the movie that, or the story that Blade Runner was made out of. Yeah. So it all comes around full circle. How about that how do you know yeah that makes uh, that makes sense so so what is this here about the new series november 12th yeah this is electric dreams and like for instance there's they're doing what uh 10 episodes looks like here i'm just looking on imdb um they're having people like oh, i just reading an article real quick here brian cranson's in it uh in one of them um i've got a link here i'll put in the show notes as well so yeah uh, have you seen you've seen black mirror too right have you not all of the seasons i think right i think right. i barely started season three yeah yeah and i saw the, I think I saw 
saw season three before I went back and saw the rest um, earlier. But yeah, similar idea. Like like you know, every every story is slightly different than I mean, every story is different. Like, uh, but they're all based on the one thing in common is that um, they have uh, have that going for them. So these are all all short stories by Philip K. Dick and all Electric Dreams coming up in November. I guess on Sci-Fi or whatever whatever it is you guys have in the states there, right? <laughs> right. We do have Sci-Fi. I guess it's what Space Channel for. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think we talked about this a while ago, and this was on more than just code, but um, how TV shows are bought by by um, networks. Um, yeah, we don't have the same networks as you do. Like we hit, we don't have Showtime, we don't have Sci-Fi, um, we have HBO, we have. You have uh, FX. Is there a station called FX? In, in we do States? have FX. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So NFFX, which is the the second version of it. So those those are common. Um, so Sons of Anarchy would have been on FX. Lucy K's TV show Louis is on FX. Um, yeah. And anyway, so so space is a different. Is space is a, a network. It's a, a network owned by uh, one of our conglomerates here, which is now all owned by Rogers. Rogers went out and bought everybody a couple of years ago. So Rogers and um, one of the big networks, CTV, I think they they either own each other or they split the the shares or whatever. So things got split up into different different um, um, groups. So they, but those kind those people will they have buyers who go to these shows in in Vegas or wherever they Hollywood or whatever, and they buy up they pay to for the rights to broadcast those shows on their channels right so space and sci-fi tend to have a lot of things in common in terms of what shows get shown um even well even our netflix is different than your netflix and it all has to do with broadcast rights and things like that right so mm-hmm. so you know when they buy when, so we don't necessarily like i guess we're not comparable like i think sci-fi puts money behind shows but then our space or our showcase not showcase showtime no what do we have we have showcase showcase will show you know sci-fi shows like that right so anything else you want to close with there i mean yeah i really don't have a, a pick of anything um <sighs> that i want to see like everything i would want to see is, is further away <laughs> like i'm interested in that that tomb raider movie i'm interested in that terminator yeah. bit and, and other bits um i think i'm going to default to to just really oh. being excited in, about wanting to see star trek discovery um the right, inner okay. space uh, website videos that you sent me i think they really got me sort of you know re-jazzed about it yeah yeah oh, i was like yeah this looks uh this looks like it'll be fun uh, kind of an interesting different take on star trek yeah 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 oh of course my second pick is blade runner 2049 which i'm looking i mean so I, blade runner is another one of those movies like like uh probably tomb raider or, or sorry raiders of the lost ark and star wars you know movies that i can anytime they're on i can watch them here in canada on new year's eve they used to, you know they used to drop the ball or whatever and then every january 1st for i don't know 10 years or so they would show blade runner um and i have several copies of it like i actually had the uh, laser disc version where they they have the talking over top of Harrison Ford character narrates over top because the movie movie people thought that you know it was too out there. Um, but I was actually watching Blade Runner um, yesterday last night, as a matter of fact, on um, on iTunes and um, watching the the version I bought for the kids. It's a beautiful movie. Like you know, when you look at like how it's the cinematography of that movie is just great. Like almost every shot you could freeze frame, put it, make it as a wallpaper on your desktop, and away you go. Right. So um, yeah, there's a lot Indeed. of I mean, a lot of twisty bits in it, and but uh, so I'm I'm I'm. 
I guess in the same way that I'm kind of dreading what Discovery will be, Star Trek Discovery, right? I'm being prepared to be let down because I can't imagine, even though I'm, it is Ridley Scott who's doing Blade Runner 2040. No, it's not actually, right? Because um, he did he did uh, the original Blade Runner, didn't you, Ridley, Ridley Scott? I think he did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of like, it's kind of, well, it's like the redo of Tron, right? Like, did you, you saw the redo of Tron, right? Yeah. Tr- well, do you mean Tron Legacy? Do you mean the, the sequel? Tron Legacy. Tron Legacy, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you mm-hmm. see the original Tron when you were a kid? Or yeah, it's been a long time since I've seen it, but yeah, uh, I definitely saw it as, as a kid. So, what did you think about Tron Legacy? I mean, it was great looking, wonderful looking movie. But what did you think about it overall? I think it was fun at the time, but I I find that it doesn't hold up as well uh, as it did back in what 2010, 2012, whenever mm-hmm. that came out. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I don't find myself uh, seeking it out. No, yeah. Um, yeah. All right, so for for Star Trek here, uh, let me help you out a little bit, Tim, because I I understand your your consternation and i think there will be many folks out there um who are, who are a little bit worried because it, it's been a while since we've had star trek on on tv and it's it's yeah. certainly been a while since we've had good star trek on tv if uh if folks think about it that way and and so i think one do it something that i tend to do with with anything that's that's new give it you know just kind of ignore the first episode or two right like i mean you have to absorb them and they're they're setting the stage but they're they're really trying to get you up to speed with what's going on what's the context and it's really more episode three and beyond that you should be able to say all right i either do like this show and want to continue watching or no way i'm not going to bother with this right yeah yeah i was going to say because because i really liked enterprise right i really really liked first season of enterprise second season of enterprise and then one of the bushes went down into you know iraq or iran or i think i think uh saddam hussein um lit all the oil on fire and you know all that that nonsense happened and and all of a sudden going to war was like the big, you know, mental sort of thing that, you know, as an, again, as, as an outsider, that's kind of sort of what, what I kind of saw in, in our current history at the time. Right. And, um, mm-hmm. all of a sudden Star Trek enterprise, I, I think they kind of, maybe the ratings were slipping or they, they felt they weren't getting the traction they, they really wanted. So they went into this whole war mode, right. With this war with the, with the other, um, uh, alien race that had the three different types of races or I forget what they're called, but right. Um, the Zindi. Zindi. Yeah. Yeah. And, that that kind of ruined it for me because I mean like why like for all that you know when when you think about you know the original Star Trek was sort of had this sort of mandate of going around and just exploring and you know the what's the the their one world prime directive right where they can't interfere with other societies that are less advanced or don't have technologies and stuff like that they kind of really they're kind of really you know pussyfoot around you know trying to influence those other societies right and they had that sort of whole holistic you know and ironically in in retrospect it was spreading the American way throughout the galaxy but, but let's take that back a step right there the intent was good in in, in Gene Roddenberry's original intent of going around and exploring these other places and, and trying to learn about them but not really you know observe them but not really like Heisenberg not really having any effect on them and that kind of stuff right mm-hmm. um, so that was good but uh, but an enterprise kind of started off that way because it kind of picked up where where first contact left off which again first contact is probably my favorite Star Wars movie Star Trek movie sorry I gotta stop saying that my favorite Star Trek movie um, um, and then, uh, just for for perspective with listeners of the show, I know I know people tend to be either Star Trek followers or Trekkies, or they end up being Star Wars followers. And there's sort of a there's a divide between the two. I don't I blur them all together. I like both Star Trek and Star Wars. But anyway, so that's why I have these Freudian slips all the time. I'll say one one when they mean the other. Anyway, like I was really disappointed when they went to war. I, I felt that was not necessary, right? In terms of where the story was going, you know, like Archer had his dog on the ship, you know, and they had this 
crazy Vulcan lady and you had Trip who had this relationship with the crazy Vulcan lady, you know, which was reminiscent of, of um, uh, Deanna on Voyager, right? Um, that kind of stuff, right? So the going to war thing kind of really turned me off Enterprise, right? Like I, I, can't, I watched it, but I watched it without the same enthusiasm that I watched the first two seasons, right? I don't know how, how you felt about it. Like, what did you think about Enterprise in that sense? I never really got that attached to Enterprise. It, it never really clicked for me as a series. Um, but what I think I'm hearing is the the analogy to... Oh, let me think about the timing here. Um, it was right during and, Gulf War. I'm pretty sure it was during the Gulf War. Or during... It was No, maybe not Gulf War. It was... Uh, I think it was after uh, 9-11. Yeah it was, it, yeah, it was after 9-11. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. So it definitely had a storyline for those seasons that ended up with uh, like a, a clear analogy to um, uh, going to Afghanistan and going to Iraq. Um, and I don't know, it, it, again, it's kind of tough because I wasn't really into Enterprise that much. Um, just like I don't think I was like as much into Voyager. Um, in terms of, of Trek being an analogy for the real world, uh, it sort of always had that, right? Like the Klingons were representative of the Cold War between the United right. States and, and yep. Soviet Russia. And there were analogies to, you know, um, you know, there were race integration based metaphors going on. Uh, I think the one we brought up before is the, the guys who are like half black, half white on their face and yeah, they're really yeah. racist against each other Can't because you tell the difference? one is oh, left yeah. and one is right and the other yeah, is right yeah. and the other is left. Yeah. yeah. All right. And and so I think when I look through it through that lens, as long as it's not like too obvious, like, uh, uh, like they're hitting you with their elbow, right? It's like, uh, uh, do you get it? That, that's who that's representing. Did you just see that on CNN this week? That's exactly who we're talking about. Um, right. I, I think I like it better the way the original series did it, where uh, if you did a, like a critical analysis, you would, you know, sort of like an English literature sort of paper, you would say, oh, well, this is what this represents when it's beating you over the head with it, which I think Enterprise did at times during that series. Uh, I, I think that's where it ends up being kind of off-putting. Yeah, Enterprise, what happened on Enterprise was, now that I remember, is the Zindi attacked Earth and like tore a strip out of half of Nebraska or whatever. Wherever, wherever Trip was from, his sister got killed and, you know, so, you know, he saw blood in his eyes and that kind of stuff, right? So that, that was the sort of, so it was like, it was parallel to 9-11 in that um, the Zindi kind of, you know, just for no reason, you know, attacked Earth and, and uh, carved a big notch in the middle of it, right? And that's why, you know, the Enterprise and all the whole Federation had to jump in and go off and fight this war, you know, which kind of made no sense in right. retrospect when you go back and look at the original series because there was no, you know, they had the the you know, the General Green who had the who had the genocide thing, but they didn't have any anybody. There was no mention of this this big conflagration or you know um, giant war that they had at one point with the Zindi, right? So it was uh, unnecessary. But I mean, I guess necessary at the time because that's what people were thinking. But um, and they needed, I guess, you know, they need to see somebody kick some ass, right? But uh, but for it, it kind of ruined it ruined the show for me, and I think it ruined the show in general, and that's probably why it ended up getting canceled, right? Yeah, we'll see where Discovery goes because now Discovery is coming out in an era in which there are no real clear enemies, at least in terms of well, they could have this crazy admiral that gets in charge of Federation and starts you know making all these really crazy proclamations, right? You never know, right? Right. <laughs> and I think to our point, like that, like that's okay. They could do that sort of thing. Um, it certainly would fit with a little bit more of the you know there's shades of gray in the world sort of thing, right? Um, yeah, yeah. It, as long as they don't like, oh look, this is like. Uh, 
an orange skinned alien or something that that uh right that, right that took over it's like all right come on guys <laughs> you know you're beating us over the head on this one and you know why <laughs> you you can yeah. show that sort of thing and it's fine especially when we're in an era which there's uh with the exception of something you know like terrorist groups or something there, there really aren't any clear uh or, or many clear enemies right this isn't 1960s where the soviets are the clear enemy of the united states um you know there's there's this weird relationship right now between the united states and russia and china and and just about everybody in the world where it's everybody has to uh, work together or uh collaborate or um even just you know inter uh international global commerce is, has made these ties a whole lot more difficult and i wonder if discovery will will bear out some of that where um yeah something like like tng sort of touches on this a little bit and i think possibly because around that time is when the fall of the the berlin wall happens right when the soviet empire yeah, or the soviet yeah. uh, union becomes uh dissolved where there are cases where in like in the next generations uh the wounded episode where the enterprise is caught in the middle between this guy who uh, lost a lot during a war with the cardassians and now he's he's convinced that they're doing something wrong and so he's preemptively attacking them and it spoilers for that episode it turns out that he was right the cardassians are doing something sleazy right. but picard has no choice but to say like look we have a treaty you have to stop and yet he lets the cardassians know like we know what you were doing and the reason i'm not pushing this is because it's for the greater good that that we let this die that we not yeah. start a war between our people so were the, were the kardashians on kardashians keeping up with kim and courtney kardashian yeah were the hanging kardashians, out with were the kardashians part of were they part of um uh deep space nine first or were they part of the, the next generation first the next but generation I, first and but but heavily um fleshed out during deep space nine yeah to the point yeah. where they feel like a deep space nine original character um yeah. very similar to the ferengi who started out life as sort of a, a so-so right, yes, species yeah. on on the next generation and become much more interesting on deep space nine right yeah 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 and and the reunification with spock that was part of the next generation i forget now yes that was part of next generation mm-hmm. right right yeah that that was, i like that whole that whole timeline where where spock came back and and tried to reunify with uh, the romulans right all right anyway we we gotta get on to our uh, our next podcast so let's wrap up this one and uh, so Jaime, if people want to get hold of you on the interwebs where would they look i'm on twitter as at dev with a hair all right and as i said at the top of the show i'm timitra t-i-m-m-i-t-r-a and we will see you guys next week where we'll be talking about discovery by the way did you notice that these the, um, the shuttle that i put on the image of uh, on the website which you did find the website this time didn't you Jaime? i did that would be spockcast.com and that will be right. in the outro as well in case you missed it sure yeah well we're, we're not we're not haven't said goodbye yet but the um that the i didn't even think about it when i put the shuttle into the show because we were talking about the shuttle for some reason but that that is the shuttle that i saw at dulles airport which is where the smithsonian has the air and space museum that is discovery ironically enough that is very cool yeah i was going to ask you i was like well <laughs> it's okay if it's the endeavor um but it's <laughs> way cooler if it's yeah. a discovery and of, and of course no, it can't no. be the uh, sadly can't be the columbia or the challenger but uh, depending how old that photo was so i figured it was the discovery yeah, yeah that's a really yeah, cool uh, easter egg mm-hmm, mm-hmm, for sure all right okay well, we'll see you guys next week bye goodbye if you want to find out more about the podcast or see episode show notes, visit the Spockcast website at spockcast.com. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at Spockcast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskSpockCast. 
If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount on patreon.com slash spotcast. You can find out details on how to help us out on our website at spotcast slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the future. You guys have pointed out this. Um, oh, what's that word called that they use for Slack? The, the uh, oh, that they use. Build? They use uh, electron underneath the covers. Electron. Yeah, what a piece mm. of crap. I, I wondered why all of a sudden I wasn't able to add photos in in the app because I mean it only gives me like the last 20, 20 images or so that I, I've taken. Whereas I'm used to being able to add anything I want, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm just gonna answer this call. I mean, that's more of a product decision than anything. I don't think that's a distinct limitation that uh, that Adam has, from what I can recall. But well, I mean, it doesn't seem to have very good photo integration or at least if that's what they think like you're only interested in finding like an image and uploading it from like you know a few minutes ago <laughs> right like, you know I, I like to go and like f- i you know i keep images and i like to you know use them at appropriate times right so i don't know just it's it's i, don't, I just don't get how hard it is to find things on ios you know in general and then you know when when you get people make an app I and mean, make an app like that or an app decision like that so so bad you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know like what if i want to go and grab an image from like a year ago right and post it and send it to you right oh wait this is on on ios on ios yeah yeah oh um, i mean it's kind of non-obvious so when you hit the let me see let me try to do this live one sec okay i'm gonna i'm gonna work with you on this one too okay so when you hit the um the image icon yeah and then you see there's like a an image of a camera and an image of like i don't know looks like a keypad like a grid of squares oh hang on so i click on the little the little image icon yeah Mm -hmm. and then you hit the grid of squares looks like a like a number pad oh i see right that will bring up the everything list, oh, but really? but okay. it's so it's so minimal and kind of non-intuitive. I mean the camera. I mean the camera is obvious, right? Like camera brings up a camera. Okay, good, good job on that one. But the <laughs> but the grid of things. I thought it was like a thumb scroller thing to move things out of the way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Until I accidentally tapped it once, I was like, "Wait, what? That brings up the camera roll." It's like whose whose genius idea was that? That's a terrible design. Yeah. yeah. So it has the feature you want. Um, just it might as well not have it because it was not intuitive. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, for sure. It's, it's yeah. You know, I didn't even notice the. Uh, I've been using this app for so long. I don't know why they went to that. That sort of shortlist, I guess it makes sense, right? But anyway, like the shortlist makes sense because I imagine there's probably like a nine times out of ten you're using a photo that you just took, sort of thing, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And and they left the ability for you to get other things too. They just, I don't know, the designer just really messed up. I mean, there's no, they they failed, right? Like <laughs> that's the sort of thing that you would get in a design school and would be like, no, this is an F, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> near miss. It's a near miss. Not even near miss. It was Not like you didn't near even get close yeah. it's like you know aim aim for the stars and you'll hit the moon sort of things like you aimed straight into the ground right you don't you don't get credit for this one interesting sorry i have my finger on mute again you see the picture i just posted to of the the google section at the new best buy downtown mm, i have seen google no you know what i'm i'm, I'm taking it back it's probably samsung sections i don't think i've seen a google section per se and certainly not one as uh interesting like this elaborate yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah i wonder where to look at the google home devices right and that's why i 
sort of saw this. And if you if you zoom in on the picture, you'll see the the Apple logo way in the back there. Like they just got this mm-hmm. lame, you know, typical. It's just it's just like a table with a couple of products on it, and, and a guy with a black T-shirt walking around. You know. <laughs> yeah, it, I think Best Buy has sort of leaned really hard into the whole showroom idea, where they have a, oh, yeah, a Samsung yeah. section, a Microsoft section, an Apple section. I guess now a Google section. I have seen an Amazon section, and um, I don't know. Let's call it the Facebook section, but it's really like the Oculus Rift section. They have like right. actual people there to demonstrate it for you and that sort of thing. So I guess that's probably their best way to combat something like Amazon. Yeah, we don't, we don't have some. Yeah, I guess we don't have something fancy like that uh, here, um, like the Oculus Rift. But but it's funny this this particular store. This is the one right down at, at Young and Young and uh, or Bay and Dundas, which is like right downtown, right mm-hmm. um, near the big shopping mall, the Eaton Center, and they've revamped it. I mean, it used to have all these. It used to be really hard to find things. Well, it's still kind of hard to find things, but they've they've made it light and airy now, and and except for this one section here where the Google thing is, right? And they moved all the customer service and, and cash register stuff to the front of the building, right? So because they used to have to go, used to, have to go into the store to get to customer service, but they moved all that out, and and they've got rid of all the sort of you know last minute, you know, they used to stuff a bunch of stuff near the cash registers. So as you're as you're waiting in line, you might pick up that that copy of uh, Billy Madison or something like that, or <laughs> you, mm-hmm. you've been wanting but you forgot to find in the uh, video section, right? The other interesting thing too is like there was only two racks of uh, of any DVDs. This is all like, you know, stuff that's just current, right? And the, the, all the sort of, the CDs went away like two years ago, you know, music CDs. Mm-hmm. And now now all the movies have gone away. So I think we're moving towards digital digital selections, right? Yeah. And that makes a lot of sense so that you would probably only want to buy Blu-rays and DVDs for things that are just, that, like just came out. Like, I don't know, Wonder Woman, for example, probably just came yeah. out since it yeah. just came out on yes. iTunes. Um, are you really going to buy a, I don't know, uh, original Ghostbusters, not the 2016, but the 1984 version? I mean, do they really need to stock that anymore? Probably not, right? Like, you'll just stream it on Netflix or Amazon or something. Yeah, it's funny, like, you know, like, I've always sort of been like the person that buys, like, would buy a video or buy buy a Blu-ray box set or something like that, right? Um, like, I just got the Thunderbirds kit, which is something I watched when I was, like, six years old. You know, the Thunderbird a complete series, right? But, like, you know, I own a copy of Star Trek, the new Star Trek, the J.J. Abrams reboot, and I own the copy of, you know, Beyond and, and the last one that just came out, right? I think that's Beyond, right? Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I own uh, Rogue One, I own Force Awakens and that kind of stuff. And yet, look, I just flip on Netflix and they're like, they're right there, right? So it's kind of, I'm kind of getting to the point where I'm sort of thinking like, why why even bother buying any discs at all? Because, you know, you can either, if you really, really, really want it, you can get it on iTunes, right? But if you just flip on Netflix or Amazon or whatever, it's right there for you to watch, right? Yeah, I mean, that's that's sort of what they're they're selling you, right? And and it's true. And certainly I've fallen into that bit where I'm like, yeah, I really don't rent or buy DVDs anymore. Um, I just stream stuff. Uh, the unfortunate thing, I think, as we talked briefly about with regards to what Disney's doing, where they're going to start their own streaming service and they're no longer mm-hmm. going to continue their contract once it ends with Netflix. At the very least, when you have that disc, as, as much of an inconvenient hassle as it is, Tim, like at least you always have that, right? And as long as you have some sort of means by which you can play it or at least transfer it to some other medium that you can play from you'll never lose that it's never like oh no i lost all my star wars yeah. stuff you know it's like oops i guess i can't watch rogue one on netflix anymore it's like well i have it right here and maybe i'll have to you know go to fries and, and buy a, a 20 dollar dvd you know ripper or something so i can get it onto my yeah, yeah. my apple yeah. tv or something but at least you have an option well sadly you know we we had to move all of our our sort of valuables out of the house a couple of years ago um in you know when we had to we had to get a we had to get our house superheated for to get rid of some bed bug issues right but um as you 
might recall. So I moved all my Blu-rays and all that kind of stuff out of the house. And, and um, mm-hmm. so the kids were over one day and, and my two nephews were, were here at the time and, and the grandkids came over and were, and were discussing like the, the, their, their ages and range from 12 to 15, right? And, uh, you know, they're all, you know, I think of them as young kids and, you know, they kind of, what, what kind of, they both have different, you know, filters in terms of what their parents will let them watch in terms of videos and stuff. And I just sort of said, hey, have you guys ever seen Blade Runner? And they went, no, because we were talking about Blade Runner 2049 coming out, right? And I said, have you ever mm-hmm. seen the original movie? And they're like, no. So so I, I said, oh, well, you know, I must have a copy of it here around here somewhere. But then I thought it was off in, in, in the garage and storage, which would take me like a month to get to. So I, I went on to iTunes and I bought a copy of it. And then it turned out that the I just have a couple of, you know, a handful of movies underneath my TV here in, in, a, in a cupboard that I never opened. And sure enough, there was a copy of Blade Runner in there, right? So... It's funny, like Blade Runner is one of the movies I own like several copies of, and then same thing with like all the Star Wars movies, like the original, the original three, mm-hmm. the trilogy. I probably own. I have those on VHS, and I have them on you know DVD. I have them on Chinese bootleg DVDs made from the laser discs, you know. And then I have umpteen copies, and of course I've got the new Blu-ray set that they came up with a couple of years ago, right? So plus I have that that one I was telling you about with the um, the original un, uncut version, right? So right, right. Actually, yeah. So the, I just want to talk about that one. For, I didn't really finish my point last week. Was um, so they they came out when I was in, when I you know went into Star Wars I was getting everything Star Wars related and I used to buy comic books I'm not a huge comic book reader now but you know I used to buy like you know with my allowance sort of I'd buy a comic book or a chocolate bar I can't you know I'd flip back and forth between and I remember buying the Star Wars comic book when it first came out and being really bummed that it was like you know the like the first hint of the story I think it kind of went up to like Moss Eisley spaceport you know in the scene with the with the uh, cantina bar right and mm-hmm. then and then it was like oh continue next issue and like oh man anyway so they came out they reissued that particular that particular comic book in a box with um, a DVD that had the new star the director's cut of Star Wars but it also had this original cut you know the original that's how I how I ended up getting a copy of this on DVD right and at the time there was also uh, Return of the Return of the Jedi and um, and uh, Empire Strikes Back in that same format so presumably they had the original cuts of those two movies on on uh, on the blu-rays as well but and, and i've seen them on amazon but i've never really or not amazon ebay but i've never gone and actually bought them but uh, that's how I, I ended up getting the original uncut version of uh, star wars right untouched by george lucas since he made it kind of thing mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.